Tonight we're going to be in Psalms uh, 23, and then next week we'll be in Revelation 11. And so I wanted to give myself a week to get my head back into Revelation uh, 11, and the Lord's really been speaking uh, to me through the Psalms. As I prayed about tonight's service, I really felt that the Lord had uh, Psalms 23 for us. Uh, But before I do that, I've got a few announcements. Uh, It is the week of VBS, a vacation uh, Bible school, and so we've had uh, a lot of volunteers here. Thank you so much so much uh, uh, for serving. A lot of kids here, kindergarten through fifth grade. Uh, Please continue uh, to pray for them as they meet. We had two kids uh, give their life to Christ uh, today, and so God's really using VBS, and we're, we're thankful for that. School of Discipleship starts July 31st. This is a two-year commitment of getting into God's Word on Tuesday nights, taking classes uh, from the pastors, as well as uh, serving and having a mentor. Uh, If you're interested uh, in that, the application is online. The young adults uh, have a rafting trip, so if you're in that demographic, 18 to 30, please sign up and go rafting. It's this Saturday, uh, July uh, 7th. And then the building is closed a week from this Wednesday. So we'll be in Revelation 11 two weeks from uh, tonight because it's 4th of July. And so it's hard to get uh, people to serve and do children's ministry 4th of July. We just want you to to rest, be with family and friends, uh, share Christ at at barbecues and fireworks and all those places. So we will be closed and no service next week for July 4th. We're already looking at September. Ladies, women's retreat is September 7th through the 9th. I love their theme this year, Grace Strengthened Hearts. As we experience God's grace, he strengthens our hearts. And then there's a marriage retreat in September uh, as well. And so that's it uh, for announcements. Please turn with me in your Bible to Psalms 23. Psalms 23. We're going to read through this psalm together and then pray and ask that the Lord would, would meet us afresh. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you so much for who you are, that you are our shepherd, that you know us personally and intimately, that you desire to give us rest, to bring us to green pastures and still waters, that you want to restore our souls. We thank you that you're with us in the valleys, that you prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. God, would you be gracious to allow us to experience your presence? Lord, for those that are weary tonight, would you give them rest? So we invite you into this time, into your word. We thank you that we can gather together as believers, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Rockledge Ranch is right next to Garden of the Gods. I think it's one of the best-kept secrets 
in Colorado Springs, so I almost don't want to tell you about it if you haven't been there. But right as you're coming into Garden of the Gods, there's a dirt road to your left, and that takes you into Rockledge Ranch, and it's a city park of, of Colorado Springs. And once a year, they have sheep shearing day at Rockledge Ranch. And they have some farm animals at the ranch and some ranchers come out and they shear uh, the sheep. And it's quite an entertaining thing to watch a sheep get sheared if you've never uh, experienced that. But then also they've got some sheep dogs there uh, with their masters. And these dogs are so good at controlling the sheep. And it's amazing to watch the relationship that the dog has with, with the sheep and the way the sheep respond and then the master of the dog and the sheep and how all of this works together. And one of God's favorite illustrations in scripture is the fact that he's the shepherd and we're his sheep. The, the word shepherd is used 101 times in scripture. As you read from Genesis to Revelation, it comes up again and again of God's personal care for us as sheep. And, you know, sheep, that they're kind of an animal that you tend to joke a lot about, right? Like, it would be kind of nice if God said, hey, you're my lions. But instead, he's like, hey, hey, you're my sheep. But one of the thing with sheep is that when they make that connection with the master, they will listen, and they will follow, and they will go where, where the master goes. And, and to someone who is into cattle and cares for cattle, sheep have value. And God has chosen to place value upon us with with the death of of his son. So I hope as we read through this, Psalms 23, that you're reminded of God's personal care for you. And I know for for many, this is going to be a reminder of of Psalms 23, but I hope it's not just an, an intellectual understanding of God being a shepherd, but God being your shepherd and him giving you his personal care this evening. So verse one, the scripture tells us, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, who's writing this psalm? We know that this is a a psalm of David, which is really important because David is now most likely a king, and he's writing this as a king, but he was a shepherd before he was a king. So what unlocks this psalm is it's from a a shepherd's look or a, a shepherd's perspective. And God oftentimes wants to speak to us through our daily activities. Have you ever experienced that? You know, when you're at work, when you're with your kids, when you're driving on Academy Boulevard or Powers, things that we do all the time. God wants to use that to show us about himself. And somewhere along the line, David had the light bulb go on, he, he had it register that I'm the shepherd of these sheep and, and I'm taking care of these sheep, but God is taking care of me. The way that I care about these sheep, the way I protect them and have gotten to know them. In David's story, when he was getting ready to fight Goliath, he goes to Saul and he says, look, I was able to kill a lion. And how did that take place? He protected the sheep. The the sheep were so valuable to him that he stood up against the lion. I I don't know about you, but I'm I'm not a big animal person, and I'll admit it, right? And if I was taking care of some sheep, and here comes a lion, and I've got a slingshot in my bare hands, I'm like, hey, take your pick. You can just just have them, have all of them. Like, I want to stay alive here. And so David really had that connection with the sheep. And, and he, he goes, you know, God cares for me this way. The Lord is, is my shepherd. 
and he makes it personal. And maybe you want to circle or underline that, that word my, as he's saying, I know that the Lord cares for me in this way. And I think most of us tonight would acknowledge that God is, is a good shepherd. And we don't have difficulty sharing that with others. You know, we, we've shared Psalms 23 with others. We, we share it with our kids. We encourage our parents and our friends and say, Jesus is your shepherd. Jesus is going to restore your soul. Jesus is going to lead you by green pastures. He's going to be with you through this valley. But, but sometimes we doubt that he's our shepherd. We doubt that he's concerned with what's going on in, in our lives, that he loves us, that he wants to, to protect us. And David believes the promises of, of God. He believes the character of God. He says, the, the Lord is, is my shepherd. And as much as we need to be praying for others, it's also important to bring your own soul before God. And, and David here is having a personal prayer with God and remembering this is who God is and how God relates to me. The Lord is, is my shepherd. And Jesus told us in John 10, and this is how Christ worded it, I'll read to you John 10, verse 10. It says, The thief doesn't come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd, the shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. And in context, Jesus is saying there's two shepherds. And Satan comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. But I come to give life, and I am the good shepherd. And I suggest to you this evening, this Wednesday night service, is you're going to follow someone or something. We're designed by God to be followers and to acknowledge that the Lord is, is my shepherd. This takes us being poor in spirit to realize I can't be the master of my own destiny. Have you got to that place? I hope so. I hope we've gotten to that place of saying, look, I don't want to call the shots. I don't want to be in control of my life. Jesus, I need you to guide me. I need you to shepherd me. You're my shepherd. I'm accepting your, your leadership. Like I said, I'm not a big animal person, and my limited experience with animals, it's important that they understand who's boss, right? Who, who's, who's the authority? Who's the alpha? Who are they going to take leadership from? And for us to go, God, you're my shepherd, your personal care for me, but also I'm willing to trust you. I'm willing for you to have that position of being shepherd in my life. Goes on and says, I shall not want. Other translations place this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. This is focusing on the fact that the sufficiency is in Jesus. That Jesus is enough to meet our needs. Now, this isn't a promise that we won't go through difficulty, as we'll see. It's not a promise that we're not going to get sick or that there'll be times of financial difficulty, but it is saying that the Lord is more than enough, that he is sufficient, and we're looking to our shepherd to meet our need, that we're looking to our shepherd to specifically restore our soul. And that's a big step, isn't it? For us to go, Jesus, you are my shepherd. I shall not want. I'm looking to you to, to satisfy, to allow my heart to be content. In the book of Hebrews, it says that the Lord will never leave you or forsake you, so let your lifestyle be without covetousness and be content with the things that you have. Why? Because you have Jesus. 
He's with you. So maybe things aren't going well tonight. Maybe they're going great. It doesn't matter to, to put our focus upon the Lord. And if you're like me, it's easy to get off track. It's easy to start to put focus on, on other things to bring that, that satisfaction. The Lord's my shepherd, I, I shall not want. Ultimately, your spouse can't satisfy. Your ministry can't, can't satisfy. Your job, your possessions, only, only the Lord. In verse two, he makes me lie down in green pastures. David realizes that there's something inside of him that it's difficult to rest, that it's difficult to, to lay down in the green pastures that God has provided. So the shepherd takes initiative. The, te- the shepherd takes leadership and says to the sheep, it's time for you to rest. This is a good place for the flock to rest, and I'm going to make you lie down in green pastures. And Jesus does that for us as well. He, he puts the brakes on our lives and says, okay, it's time for you to rest in some, some green pastures. And through this process of having this six-week sabbatical, I realized I'm not very good at resting. And even though I have days off here at the church, I don't work seven days a week here at the church, when I'm not working here at the church, I like to work at home, Right? I'm busy at home doing all these things at home, and it, it's not anybody else putting that pressure on me. You know, it's not, it's not Amber putting that pressure on me, or no one's putting that pressure on me other than myself. And it's difficult to unplug. It's difficult to take one day a week and say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rest. I'm gonna be in that place of green pastures that the Lord has, has provided. God gives us the example where he worked for six days and he rested on one. Do you think he needed the rest? No. But he gives us the value of rest. So, so how does this work? How does the Lord make us lie down in green pastures? We can listen to his whisper or his strong arm. <laughs> and sometimes God will whisper and he'll say, it's time to rest. The Holy Spirit will guide us and, and direct us. The Word will direct us. And we can heed that, or we can neglect that, and ultimately our bodies will begin to demand rest, won't they? We, we can't keep going at the, the pace that we're going. Summer is a good time to hopefully get some rest. I pray that the Lord would provide some rest for you, that he would provide those green pastures spiritually, and he would also provide those, those green pastures physically, physically and spiritually to come and to be able to rest. But the question is, will we listen to his leadership? Well, will we allow ourselves to trust in our shepherd and say, okay, I'm gonna be in the green pasture that you have provided. Don't you guys love green? I mean, we don't get a lot of it in Colorado right now, but man, it's just so beautiful. When it does rain and the grass is like, oh, thank you, you know? I can look at my grass after it rains and it, it's so much more beautiful than even after I've watered it sufficiently with the sprinklers. There's just something about the rain. There's something about the, the green grass. And I'm sure sheep love the green grass even more than we do, right? And God goes on to lead me beside still waters. Still waters. Something about the water. You know, if you're, if you're sitting by a calm stream, you know, if, if you're sitting by the ocean and it's calm, it, it, it's not, not a storm, there's something that's peaceful uh, about it. 
Yeah, even Pueblo Reservoir when it's still. It's, it's beautiful, right? And it's re- relaxing. And here God wants us to come to that place of, of still waters where he can provide refreshing. Catch this. We have to be still to enjoy the refreshment of still waters. We've got to stop. We've got to be still and know that he's God. Here's a good shepherd saying, don't just go all the time. Don't just be, be busy all the time. Stop, rest, enjoy. Enjoy the Lord. Enjoy family. Enjoy what he's provided. Enjoy those, those still waters. How do you do when things are still? You know? One of the questions I was posed with as I was preparing for this uh, sabbatical was, we don't slow down because if we do, there's things that we need to focus on that we would rather neglect, right? There's things in my heart, there's things in my character, there's, there's things in my life that I, that I don't want to pay attention to, so, so I don't slow down. What, what happens when, you, when you're still? Is God has that opportunity to, to refresh. But the good shepherd wants to bring us to green pastures and, and still waters. And thankfully, this is provided to us no matter what the schedule is, no matter if you have vacation or, or you don't have vacation. You know, sometimes uh, vacations are not more restful, right? You spend a bunch, bunch of money and go to Disney World and you come back exhausted, right? This is a spiritual promise that's built in the character of God that no matter what's going on in our lives, we can get close to our shepherd, he can slow things down, and he can give us green pastures and still waters. In verse 3, he restores my soul, my soul. Throughout the Psalms, the, the soul is mentioned a lot. Throughout Scripture, the soul is mentioned a lot. What's the soul? The soul, in short, is your internal being that you, you can't see, that I can't see, but God sees, and we know that it's there. It's our mind, it's our emotion, it, it's our will. And David knows that God is the one who restores his soul. His, his good shepherd is the one who restores his soul. And I think we're longing for our soul to be restored, our inner man. Because our soul gets beat up. It gets beat up by our schedules. It gets beat up by the craziness of our, of our culture. It gets beat up by our smartphones and our access to, to the internet. It gets beat up by the violence that's around us, right? The, the violence in our neighborhoods, the violence in, the, in our community. But our soul also gets beat up by our own sin, doesn't it? Our own struggles, the evil that's, that, that's inside of us. And so there's this need for restoration. There's this need for, for God to come and take something that's broken and make it beautiful again and to put it back together again. And God is so good at restoration. He would, he would rather take something that's been broken by sin and broken by this sinful world and be able to put it back together and restore it. And that's what our souls need, even as believers. Amen? Right? So as God's child, we're walking through this life and we're getting beat up and we're getting tired and we're getting weary. And, and here's Jesus saying, spend some time with me. Come, come to me those still waters and those green pastures and just be, be with your shepherd and let me restore your soul. As you guys know, this year I, I purchased a 1978 Chevy pickup truck for $500 and it was in a, a friend's yard and we saw it go from the tow truck to now being a, upon the road 
And I'm finding a lot of joy in restoration. And if I can, I'm finding old parts from Chevy trucks. The nice thing is they did this body style for a lot of years. So instead of going online and buying a new dash cover, I'm searching Craigslist or going to a junkyard and finding an original one that's in better condition. And there's a lot of joy in going to a junkyard and going, my visor is totally destroyed, and here's a good one on this truck. And I take it off and put it, put it into the truck. And, you know, in the process of that, three more things break, right? <laughs> By trying to fix one thing, you, you break two things. And it's a slow process. It's not something where you just snap your fingers and then all of a sudden this, this truck is, is restored. And God loves to do that in our lives, And no matter how devastated or destroyed or spun out of control your soul is, God can restore it. And he went to the cross. Jesus went to the cross. He died and he rose again to be able to restore our souls. He came to heal the brokenhearted. He can set your soul free of addiction. He can set your soul free of bitterness. He can provide that desperately needed encouragement. But church, no one else can restore our soul the way Jesus can. So if we're looking to people, to, to things, to good things, and saying, this is going to restore me. If, if I just do this, this will restore me. No, it's Jesus that's going to restore our souls. He alone has the ability to do that. In 1 Corinthians 4, verse 16, Paul writes, and he says, Therefore we don't lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. That is a cool promise of God. The mirror reminds us every morning, you're dying, right? You're perishing. You don't look like you used to, right? That's the bad news. But the good news is, your inward man's being renewed day by day through this time that is spent with Christ. Isaiah 40 says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. How do we enter into this restoration? How do we enter into these green pastures and still waters? I believe it's through spending time with the Lord. Time in prayer, time in the word, time in worship, time, time being still. Do you ever find after a time like this of being in worship, being in the word, taking communion, fellowshipping with believers, you walk away and you go, wow, my soul feels refreshed. I binged out on Netflix for four hours and I feel tired, right? But I I spent some time with the Lord. I spent time with God's people. I feel refreshed. You go on a prayer walk and talk with the Lord for a few minutes and man, you find your soul refreshed. It happens through waiting upon the Lord. In verse four, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. So this is part of what the shepherd does is he leads us to green pastures. He leads us to still waters. He restores us. But then he says, here's a path. He he leads us down a path of righteousness for his namesake. It's for his glory. It's so that God is, is glorified in his name. His attributes are made known. And God's paths of righteousness are not easy, but they're good. And that's what leads to the abundant life. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd to provide abundant life, and it comes through paths of righteousness. When have we ever regretted righteousness in our lives? 
Choosing right decisions, wholesome decisions that, that glorify the Lord. What path would you say you're on this evening? Would you say you're following your good shepherd on this path of righteousness? Do we do it perfectly? No. Do we fall short? Do we get off track? Absolutely. But to get back up, to hear a voice of the shepherd and saying, I'm following the path of, of righteousness. One of the things that we had an opportunity to do uh, during this six week was to go rafting on the Arkansas River on the Browns Canyon. And uh, you've got to be six years old to raft on the uh, Browns Canyon. And Wyatt turned six June 15th, so we went like June 22nd, right? And uh, he was up for it. And he, he, had a, he had a good time. And it's a pretty mellow uh, section of, of river. There's class two rapids and class three rapids, and it's t- 10 miles long. But as you get into the class three rapids, especially this year with the water being lower, there's a lot of boulders. And we had a guide uh, with us, and I was very thankful for him. He's, he's a young man from Texas. His name was Seth. I really liked him. The whole time, he was saying yes, ma'am, to my wife. It was, it was a great example to my kids. He just showed my wife so much respect. You know, she would say something to me. He'd say, yes, ma'am. You know, and it's like, maybe we need to send our kids to Texas for a while. You know? But... As, as he was guiding us, uh, we had paddles in the front, my wife and I, and my two older daughters had paddles in the back, and, and he then had some paddles as well, and, and he was rowing. And, and he would say things like, two to the left, and so you would do two to the left, or, or one back, you know, and, and you do, do, do one, one back. And he did a great job just guiding us through uh, these rapids. And there was a few other boats around us that went with us, and this other guide, uh, they got stuck literally six or seven times on these boulders where their raft was just absolutely stuck. It was to the point where we're asking our guide, is she a newbie? Like, is she brand new to the job, you know? And I don't know, maybe they, they I don't know what happened, but they got stuck. But I was thankful for our guide that we didn't get stuck. And it reminded me of God's leadership in our lives him being our shepherd and leading us through the Holy Spirit, it really came down to the guide. And then listening to the guide and doing what the guide instructed. And in the middle of rafting, you're pretty motivated to follow guidance, right? (laughs) There's these big boulders here and this there, and you've got your six-year-old and your eight-year-old, and then your 11-year-old and your 14-year-old, and you, you, you don't want them to fall into the water, right? You all want to make this down alive. What dad wants to say, yeah, I took my kids rafting and, and this bad thing happened? No, you're, you're motivated to, to listen and follow the guide. But in life, sometimes we're not so motivated, are we? We don't see the urgency. We don't see the, the importance. You know, God says something in the word or, or the Holy Spirit leads us and we're like, well, I'm not sure if that's right, <laughs> Now, I, don't, I don't really know if God's way is the, the right way, or maybe, maybe I can just do this, or I don't really want to do that. I'll, I'll just, just ignore that. And for us to experience the abundant life that God has, to follow his guidance, say, okay, Lord, you tell me this in your word. I, I don't fully understand, but it's urgent. I'm, I'm going to follow. I'm going to obey what you have declared to me. So in verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they they comfort me. It would be kind of nice if Psalms 23 ended at verse 3. And it was just green pastures and still waters, restored souls and paths of righteousness. And there there was no valleys. 
But David knows better. His life was difficult. His life was filled with valleys. Some valleys that were because of other people's decisions, some valleys because of his own decisions. And he says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And church, the valleys will come. And some of you aren't at green pastures and you're not at still waters, you're in the valley. And it's difficult to put one foot in front of the other. And David shows great wisdom to say, I'm walking through the valley. I'm not gonna stop moving forward. That's the worst thing that we can do in the, in the valley is to get despondent, to give up, and to say, I'm gonna quit pressing forward. God's a God of the future and, and put one foot in front of the other and do the next thing. What's the next thing? Okay, it's making dinner. What's the next thing? Go to bed. What's the next thing? Get up in the morning and do it all over again. Do the next thing. Keep, keep moving. I'm going to walk through the valley. And eventually, with time, you will get to the other side. You, you will get to the peak uh, once again. But keep moving through. And mountain peaks are beautiful, aren't they? And the perspective from the mountain peaks are amazing. But the vegetation's in the valley. The, the fruit in our lives comes in the valley. Character is built in the valley. And, and so David says, I, I'm walking through the shadow of death. And he also has great wisdom to know in saying, death is just a shadow. So death is touching David's life. Death is causing him to experience this valley. And he says, it's simply a shadow. And because of what Christ has done, David must have been looking forward to the Messiah coming, is death has been defeated. The sting of death has been defeated because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's great encouragement to us. If you've lost a loved one who's in Christ, they're with the Lord. They've graduated. They no longer have to deal with the difficulties of this life. And it's simply the shadow of death. And then David says, I will fear no evil. In valleys, it's easy to get fearful, isn't it? It's easy to start to say, well, what if? What if this doesn't get easier? What if this doesn't go away? How, how am I going to get through this? And David makes the choice and he says, I'm not going to fear evil. I'm not going to allow evil to win in the midst of this valley. And this is why, for you're with me. You're with me. The promise of the, the good shepherd is that he's going to be with us in the valley. He's proved it by going to the cross for us. And so there's no valley that we're going to go through in this life that's going to be absent from the presence of God. If you're in the valley, Jesus is with you. If you're fearing the valley that's yet in the future, Jesus is with you. And I think part of what our good shepherd is doing is he's saying, hey, come out, hang out in some green pasture. Sit by the still water. Let me restore your soul because the valleys are coming. And I'm going to be with you through the valley too. And then we'll come back and we'll spend some time in the green pasture and we'll spend some time in the still water. And then, man, here's another valley. Keep going. I, I am there with you. Jesus is with you in the valley. And then two things stand out to, to David about the shepherd in the valley. And it says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The staff is the guidance. He knows that the shepherd is gonna guide him in the valley and we desperately need that more than ever. But the rod, why would he take comfort in the rod? The rod is clearly God's correction because he knows his own tendency is to go off course in the valley and if he does, God's gonna hold him accountable. His shepherd is going to correct him. And don't you take comfort in God's correction as well? 
thankful for his guidance, but also thankful for his correction. To go, God, you're my father, and you love me enough to correct me when I need it. So it speaks of his correction, but also his guidance. Verse 5, you have prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So we have Jesus the guide as the shepherd, and now we have Jesus the host. And a table prepared is a beautiful thing that I think reflects God because Jesus has prepared communion for us, a table for us. Tonight we're going to celebrate communion and Jesus died for us and he rose again. He's saying, come spend time with me. Do this in remembrance of me. In Revelation, when we get back to the book of Revelation, we'll see the marriage feast of the Lamb. When we all get to heaven, what does Jesus do? He says, let's have a big feast together. Heaven is going to be a, a prepared table before us. When someone makes a meal for you, they've prepared the table for you. They've thought about you. They've cared about you. They said, you know what? You're valuable. I want you to eat. And so I've, I've cooked this food for you and I, I've set it out. And maybe you just walk into it and you'll be able to enjoy that prepared table. And here Jesus is, as the good shepherd, is preparing a table for David in the presence of his enemies. And David experienced this in his life where he had so many people want to kill him, beginning with, with Saul, Absalom, his own son. And one of the things that's admirable about David's character is he gave the enemies over to God, let God deal with the enemies and continued to be faithful to the Lord and saw God bring provision even in the midst of the enemies. Do you believe that God can prepare a table before you in the midst of a valley, in the midst of a difficulty, maybe even in an enemy who's, who's coming against you? This really hit me this year when I was doing a funeral and some kids lost their dad. Mom lost her husband, kids lost their, their dad. And I found myself praying for them, praying for them in the service. And Psalms 23 came to mind and praying that God would prepare tables before those kids. I knew, I know that these kids are going to have difficulty because their dad has died suddenly. But in the midst of the tragedy, in the midst of the valley, in the midst of the enemies that are no doubt in their lives, for this family, for this mom, for these kids, that God would go before them and prepare tables of provision for them. And I felt the heart of God, that God was going to be faithful to be able to do that. But once again, that can be difficult to believe that in my own life, in my own struggles, in my own battles, and the own things that are coming against me, saying, God, you're bigger than this, and you can prepare tables before me in the presence of my enemies. Do you need to lay hold of that tonight? To say, God, you do have tables that are set before me. You've set communion before me. You've set the marriage feast of the Lamb before me. I know you're going to be faithful in, in the midst of, of these difficulties. Continuing with verse 5, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. This speaks of God's blessing in his life. When a priest would be anointed, their head would be anointed. And they don't do anointing with oil like we do here. When, if you come up and ask for prayer and you ask to be anointed with with oil by the pastors and elders, we'll anoint you with a little bit of oil on your head or your hand. Get really crazy, maybe your hand and your head. Do both, right? But in the Old Testament, when a priest would be anointed, they would take the oil and just pour it right, right over their, their head. 
And then we see a psalm speaking of that, of the, the oil poured over Aaron and, and dripping off of his beard. And he's saying God's presence and God's blessing and the reality of the good shepherd in his life is like oil that's just being poured over him to the point where his cup runs over. Also, the Holy Spirit is typified, or the symbolism of the Spirit is both oil and water. And so his cup running over, speaking of that spiritual blessing that's taking place uh, in his life. You know, ever, you've ever just felt the goodness of God in your life? And you go, man, my, my cup's just running over, you know? I, I only have this much capacity to try to contain the grace and the goodness of God. And he's been so good to me. He's forgiven me of my sins. And I'm the child of God. He's given me these blessings. And my cup is just, it's just running over. It's just spilling over. And, and the Lord has blessed me. And he ends with this, verse six, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I really love this. Have you meditated upon this? What, what is David saying? He's saying, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Today we had quite the celebration as a, as a staff. Uh, Deb Rumsey, our children's ministry uh, director, uh, is retiring this week after 10 years of being our children's ministry director. And she served at two other churches prior uh, to this. And she's loved and ministered to kids. And she leaves quite a legacy. What, what follows Deb Rumsey? Well, it's a love for God. It's a love for his word. It's, it's a love for kids. So if you see her in these next few days, encourage her and, and thank her. And so when we think about what follows our life, it's kind of like, well, what's left behind? Well, what are people are going to say about my life when I'm gone or, or when I leave? And what David is affirming here is he's saying, I know it's going to be God's goodness and God's mercy. He's trusting in God's character. And when we look at David's life, we see a man after God's own heart. We see shortcomings. But we see someone who experienced the goodness and mercy of God. And he lays hold of the good shepherd. You can just see him holding on to the good shepherd. And he knows that God is good. And he knows that God's merciful. So what's going to follow his life is going to be God's goodness and God's mercy. And we can lay hold of that promise as well, can't we? Go, man, God is good. He's merciful. And what a wonderful testimony of our lives. Because our lives are filled with ups and downs, aren't they? And people that know us know that we succeed, know that we struggle, that we fail, that we sin, everything in between. And beyond all that to say, you know, they knew the character of God. And God is good. And God is, is merciful. And we can trust that God's goodness and mercy is going to be with us. And it's going to follow us all the days of our lives. Is there any day of our life that God's not good or he's not merciful? And then he says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, forever. Dwelling is important. And even though it's, it's a physical home, it's a physical apartment, it's nice to know that you go home and you have a place to lay your head. And if you've ever been in a season of your life where you haven't had a dwelling place, you know what a big deal that is. You know, it's nice on a day that's 96 degrees outside to know that you have a, have a dwelling place, even if you don't have air conditioning. One of the reasons to come to RMC during the summer is we have really good air conditioning. You know? I'm not used to the air conditioning. I was back at work today. I had to bring my jacket because I knew it was going to be nicely 
cooled. You know, it was a good, good dwelling place. So to know that you have a dwelling place, to know that you have a place to, to lay your head. And what David is saying is, whatever happens in my life, I know I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord. It speaks of his fellowship with God even more so than the tabernacle. There were times where David was separated from Jerusalem because of hardships in his life. He couldn't be at the tabernacle, but he was still dwelling in the house of God. He was still dwelling in in fellowship with God. And no matter where we're at, and even if we lose our physical home, we have dwelling with God, and then ultimately, we're going to dwell with God forever. We're going to dwell in God's house forever. So here's some application of Psalms 23, and the first is, know that God is your shepherd. I'm sure for some tonight, that is what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, is that the Lord is, is my shepherd. And maybe times in the past you've really laid hold of that, or maybe this is the first time that it's really become personal for you. It's become intimate with the Lord. God, God, you're my shepherd. When we use the word my, it speaks of belonging, doesn't it? This is my dad. This is, this is my mom. This is my wife. These are, these are my kids. Even the dog. This is my dog, right? And to be able to say, say this, this is my shepherd is belonging. I, be, I belong to God. I'm the sheep that he cares for. I'm his son. I'm his daughter. Know that God is, is your shepherd. He's concerned with what is going on in your life. And then allow him to lead you to rest and restoration. Allow the Lord to lead you to rest and restoration. One of the most difficult times that I've had as an adult, and thankfully it's years in the rearview mirror, quite a few years in the rearview mirror, God really restored my soul one morning while I was sleeping in. (laughs) God in his grace. I should have been up doing my devotions but instead, I chose to, to sleep in, and the Lord ministered to my heart through, through a dream. He spoke to me, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I was sleeping, <laughs> and God met me in that broken place. And I think a lot of times rest and restoration go hand in foot, don't they? Jesus is saying as the good shepherd, rest. Come to green pastures, and come to still waters, then I'm going to restore your soul. But we have to slow down and rest. When was the last time maybe you slept in? Oh, no. When was the last time you took a nap, right? Do you feel guilty for taking a nap? Do you feel like a bad Christian for taking a nap, right? When was the last time you you maybe sat out on your deck for an extra just 15 minutes, you know? Turn off the phone for a day, right? Maybe there's some pressures that we can eliminate. You know, it's not, it's not pressures from work. It's pressures that we're putting upon ourselves and say, I, I'm really going to turn my phone off. The newer the phones get, the harder they are to turn off. The software developers really don't want us to disconnect from our phones. They're making money off us when we're connected to our phones. You know, and say, I've got to rest in order that God can bring re- restoration. Allow him to lead you to rest and restoration. And then he's with you in the valley. Church, he's with you in the valley. I know some of you are in the valley. And we can't often feel his presence when we're in the valley, but we believe it by faith. Jesus, you're with me. 
and I'm not going to fear evil because I know that you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And then he is preparing tables before you. Believe it and receive it by God's grace. And, and take him up on his offer when he puts the table before you. And in times of God's goodness, he's just going to set a table before you. It's going to give you some spiritual meat to chew on. It's going to give you fellowship with good friends or, or family. And say, Lord, you have prepared this table before me. Psalms 23 has been an extreme comfort to my soul. And I find myself a lot of times at night when I'm going to sleep, just praying through and meditating on Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And most nights I don't get past verse three or four because I fall asleep, right? But this is a great section of scripture to just memorize and to pray through and, and times to be still but before the Lord. But as you meditate upon this section of scripture to really go into the character of God, God, you are my, sh- my shepherd. You lead me to green pastures. You bring me to still waters. You lead me through, through the valley of the, the shadow of death and allow the Lord to be your shepherd. It's one thing to describe things and it's another thing to experience them. You know, if you try to describe to someone a a pool, that's one thing. But it's another thing to jump in on a hot day and get into a pool, right? It's one thing to describe a really good cup of coffee and believe me, it's a whole other thing to drink a really good cup of coffee. And it's one thing for me tonight to tell you that the Lord loves you. He loves you that he is your good shepherd. And it's a whole nother thing for us to experience it. Say, Jesus, you are my good shepherd. I'm ready to follow. Take me where you desire. Would you restore my soul? Would you minister to me? And maybe tonight you've never received Christ as your savior. And you found yourself here and maybe you've come for many times or it's your first time. Is Jesus proved his love for you and that he died on the cross for our sin? Sin is things that we do to miss the mark. And sin separates us from God, but Jesus died for our sin and rose again to all who call out to him in repentance, which means to turn from sin, but also faith. Jesus, would you save me? Would you be the Lord of my life? Then he saves us. He forgives us. And he begins to shepherd us. If you haven't made that decision, if you haven't committed your life to Christ, as we come and take communion, Please find someone on the ministry team, the right or the left of the stage, and let them know, I want to receive Christ as my Savior. Right where you're at, as we're in worship, cry out to the Lord and say, Jesus, save me. I believe that you're God, that you died for me and rose again. It's not coming down and praying with someone. It's a prayer of faith from your heart, asking Christ to to be your Savior. So however you feel led to to be able to do that. And and may you really enjoy communion tonight. Maybe just take a few extra moments at communion and and be still before the Lord and remember his broken body and remember his his shed blood. He he lifted the cup of suffering so that we could have the cup of, of forgiveness. So let's stand together and let's pray and we'll enter into communion. Jesus, we thank you that you're our good shepherd that you come to give life and to to give it to us more abundantly. And Lord, we're sheep. We don't want to admit that, but, but we are. 
we need you. We need your protection. We need your guidance. And Lord, we want to follow you. And would you lead us to green pastures and still waters, not only tonight, but throughout our, our lives? Would you restore our souls? Lord, in the valleys that we go through, protect us from fear. Allow us to know that you're, you're with us. Or would you prepare tables before us, especially for the broken, especially for those that are hurting? God, by your grace, would you anoint our, our head with oil? Would you pour out your Holy Spirit upon us afresh? Would you just allow our cup to overflow that we could be vessels, conduits of your living water? Thank you that surely goodness and mercy will follow us all of our days and we'll, we'll dwell in your house. Lord, thank you for this church, for Rocky Mountain Calvary. I pray, God, just your blessing upon them. Would you cause your grace to fall fresh into our lives? Would you meet us in communion? We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.